We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. Stand up and take your place in the army and the kingdom. We recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities and the powers of the air. We are a ministry of prayer, and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe. We provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other. Hold up each other's arms and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army. So we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go bride! Our soon coming king awaits. This is a WATV disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. All right, Bride, good afternoon. This is your host today, Dr. June Knight, with news today. And listen, I am... Uh, I have many things that I need to tell you tonight. One is the president is up to some shenanigans, right? Because on his Facebook page, he is doing a rebuttal to the election. So let's check out what he's doing. He is saying he has a gentleman on here, Jesse Morgan, a truck driver, subcontractor with the United States Postal Service, explaining how... He was involved. It's his confession to the election fraud. Now, I want you to notice something very funny or suspicious about the president's name. Okay, here's President Trump. Look underneath there. Political candidate. Instead of president. Political candidate. Remember, Bride, I told you in the beginning... First of all, why are they using his name to do official business on? I see a trend that's happening because isn't that what we said about Hillary Clinton? The way she did the emails, her personal emails, and she never got put under. You know, she never got arrested for that, for violating government policy. But yet President Trump does basically the same thing. Twitter is in his name. Facebook is in his name. And he does business. Uh, you know, the presidential business under his name. But someone pointed out that leaders across the world are taking their titles of president, prime minister, and all this down and putting that up putting generic names, they're saying it is to pave the way for the one world order. I don't know. I haven't actually researched it, but 
when I looked at this today, I was like, what? It really does say that he isn't president. It says he's just a candidate. Now, one other thing I would like to point out is, isn't it funny or odd to you, Brad, that he has been so quiet since the election, except to do things like this to get people riled up and to have Biden take the entire floor. Biden has been like given all this authority and put all out there in the front for people to really see him as what could actually be with him as president. I'm telling you, I see this as very suspicious. Why? Okay. In 2017, we had a team of people that fasted and prayed for 40 days from January 1st to like February 18th. You know what, Brad? While we was there, we prayed for President Trump, who put his cabinet in. Then, after he was in, after he was inaugurated, because we specifically prayed every day on a prayer call. And we prayed about this person he was nominating, this person he was nominating. You know why? Because we found out today that it's actually not official who is going to be in office until January 6th. Because the Electoral College, now let's think about this in common sense. The Electoral College, which I believe I have somewhere over here, where it talks about the Electoral College. Let's see here. There it is. Okay. Look at the timeline of the Electoral College. Okay, spring and summer, then you have November 3rd is the election day. December 8th is deadline for resolving election disputes. All state recounts and court contests over presidential election results must be completed by this date. For the majority of states, the date of certification is the same as for all contests. But in eight states, there is a deadline that either directly references this code, or use a similar language, requiring that disputes surrounding the selection of presidential electors be resolved in time to meet the safe harbor deadline. Indiana, New Jersey, North Carolina, Ohio, Tennessee, Texas, and Virginia. For detailed information on state post-election processes, visit this page. But then look, so the deadline for that is December 8th, right? So it's not even finished yet, Brad. And they're already giving Biden the floor and letting him pick all these people and have all these meetings and be involved as if he's the president. No. See, this is what you have to realize, Brad. President Trump has overrode just about, well, I can't say all, but he has overrode our due process that we have had time and time again. This is one of them situations. I'm telling you, Bride, I believe this with all that I have, that they are trying to show you what this world would be like without President Trump, showing you all of the uh, homosexuals that Biden is going to appoint in the communications area, uh, and transgenders. Uh, people that are very, very, uh, you know, progressive. Okay, much less all of his other cabinet choices and the decisions he's making, going to put Hillary in there and all this. 
So to me, it is trying to place fear in the president's base of that you're this close to losing me, people. So that when he wins, because I truly believe he's going to, either the Electoral College will turn around and pick him, or he'll win through some case or whatever. But I believe, I'm not saying 100%, I'm not saying God told me, but I believe that when he comes back in, there will be undying devotion, not just loyalty, but devotion. And devotion is deadly. Now, it says here, December 14th is the meeting of the electors. The electors meet in each state and cast their ballots for president and vice president. Listen to this, Bride, because as of right now, unless President Trump concedes, we do not have a president. That is the way our country is set up. Now listen. The electors meet in each state and cast their ballots for president and vice president. Each elector votes on his or her own ballot and signs it. There is a possibility they can pick President Trump. The ballots are immediately transmitted to various people. One copy goes to the president of the U.S. Senate. Who is the president? McConnell. Who is also the vice president of the United States. Oh, okay, so it goes to uh, uh, Pence. Okay, this is the copy that will be officially counted later. Other copies go to the state's Secretary of State, the National Archives and Records Administration, and the presiding judge in the district where the electors meet. This serves as a backup copy that would replace the official copy sent to the president of the Senate if it is lost or destroyed. So, we will not know until January, because look at here. December 23rd, deadline for receipt of ballots. The electors' ballots from all states must be received by the President of the Senate by this date. There is no penalty for missing this deadline. January 6th, look at this, bride counting of the electoral ballots. January 6th. The U.S. Congress meets in joint session to count the electoral votes. Inauguration Day, January 20th of 2021, the president-elect becomes the president of the United States. Now, looky here. Okay. It shows all the different. Uh, one, proposed changes to the electoral college. Okay. Faithless electors, okay, it tells you the whole process. So look, we will not even know until January 6th. So all this time we're going to be distracted with the debauchery of the election ballots. That is just my opinion. Okay, so let's go back here to YouTube. I mean, go back to Facebook. So this gentleman is telling everyone without a mask, this gentleman or woman sitting here is without a mask. There, look how close they are. Look how close they are. Because 
In Washington, D.C., you're required to wear a mask. Remember when I was there, we had to wear a mask inside the White House. We had to wear a mask outside the White House. We had to wear a mask everywhere. So, I just wanted you to know that he is still putting up this image. Now, uh, you can find this out about the Electoral College on the National Conference of State Legislators. Okay? Now, on our YouTube channel, we have received a warning. We got in trouble because of medical misinformation. Now, there's many people like Bradley Dean and, and Israeli News Live that are really getting a strike, strike, strike right now. Okay? So, what they told me is I received my first warning. But they said that if I continue to spread misinformation, that I will be kicked off their platform. So, I want to read to you, Brad. What is this misinformation? I want you to look at this. The safety of our creators, viewers, and partners is our highest priority. And we look to each of you to help us protect the unique and vibrant community. It's important you understand our community guidelines and the role they play in our shared responsibility to keep YouTube safe. Please take the time to carefully read the policy below. You can also check out this page for a full list of our guidelines. YouTube doesn't allow content about COVID-19 that poses a serious risk to egregious harm. So, they are, they are saying that mis medical misinformation is egregious harm. So, this is getting very serious, Brad, very serious. Uh, for all of us that are trying to get truth out there to people about how we are communicating this truth, okay? YouTube doesn't allow content that spreads medical misinformation that, look, Brad, contradicts local health authorities or the World Health Organization's medical information about COVID-19. This is limited to content that contradicts who our local health authorities' guidance on treatment, how they're treating people, prevention, diagnostic, and transmission. Looky here, Brad. U2's policies on COVID-19 are subject to change in response to changes to global or local health authorities' guidance on the virus. This policy was published on May 20th of 2020. So, this is very dangerous territory for Christians. Let me tell you why, Brad. Because when they say that we have to adapt to all the changes, they are following the UN. That's what all those organizations are, is the UN. So, they are also partnering with the mental health, the mental health industry. So remember a few months ago when the president wrote the executive order, and I told you, did I not tell you that he put the church underneath the mental health industry? 
Now we know he was just following the UN agenda. That is what's happening right here, Brad. This, Brad, this is a sad day for us. A very sad day that we have gotten to this point that the church is down here and they do not want our help. They don't want our opinion and they don't want our voice in this situation. So what does this policy mean for you? If you are posting content, don't post content on YouTube if it includes any of the following. Treatment misinformation. Discourages someone from seeking medical treatment <clears throat> by encouraging the use of cures or remedies to treat COVID-19. So, do not discourage somebody from going to the hospital seeking any type of medical treatment outside of what the UN wants. Claims that COVID-19 doesn't exist or that people do not die from it. Content that encourages the use of home remedies in place of medical treatment, such as consulting a doctor or going to the hospital. Content that encourages the use of prayer or rituals in place of medical treatment. Wow. Now we know why Cindy Jacobs and Kenneth Copeland and all them that are NAR that's partnering with the president. Now we know why they are pushing the vaccine. They are required to go along with the UN agenda. So this is what this is. We're not allowed to tell people to pray and all this. Look at this. How terrible, Brad. Content that claims that a vaccine for coronavirus is available or that there's a guaranteed cure. Now, does that make sense to you? Because they're saying if you are posting content that claims that a vaccine for coronavirus is available. Uh, is it not coming available? I mean, I don't get that one. Claims about COVID-19 vaccinations that contradict expert consensus from local health authorities or who. Content that claims that any currently available medicine prevents you from getting the coronavirus. Other content that discourages people from consulting a medical professional or seeking medical advice. Prevention misinformation. Content that promotes prevention methods that contradict local health authorities or who. Diagnostic misinformation. Content that promotes diagnostic methods that contradicts local health authorities or who. In other words, they want to run the entire show. Transmission misinformation. Content that promotes transmission information that contradicts local health authorities or who. Content that claims that COVID-19 is not caused by a viral infection. Content that claims COVID-19 is not contagious. Content that claims that COVID-19 cannot spread in certain climates or geographies or geographics. 
Content that claims that any group or individual has immunity to the virus or cannot tr transmit the virus. There we hit the Christians again. Because do we not say that according to scripture it says no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. I am, we can stomp on snakes and scorpions. You see what I mean? Okay. Content that disputes the efficacy of local health authorities or whose guidance on physical distancing or self-isolation measures to reduce transmission of COVID-19. Bride, this is dangerous territory for the church, I'm telling you. Because what they're saying right here is that physical distancing and self-isolation is what's required for this. See, this goes against Scripture because the Bible says that even in the last days we should gather together more type of deal. Okay, so educational, documentary, scientific, or artistic content. We may allow content that violates the misinformation policies noted on this page if that content includes context that gives equal or greater weight to countervailing views from local health authorities or to medical or scientific consensus. So, in my case, it is educational, I would say. Um, okay, so it's basically wanting both sides of the story, okay, if they do this. We may also make exceptions if the purpose of the content is to condemn or dispute misinformation that violates our policies. Well, they just knocked you out. Because if you're trying to dispute what they're saying, they can kick you out as well. This context must appear in the images or audio of the video itself. Providing it in the title or description is insufficient. So in other words, they're saying that you should be able to, they want to be able to prove their side in the conversation. In other words, here's examples of content that's not allowed on YouTube. Denial that COVID-19 exists. Claims that people have not died from it. Claims that there's a guaranteed vaccine for it. A specific treatment or medicine is guaranteed cure for it. Certain people have immunity to COVID-19 due to their race or nationality. Encouraging taking home remedies instead of getting medical treatment when sick. Discouraging people from consulting a medical professional if they're sick. Content that claims that holding your breath, never heard of this. Holding your breath can be used as a diagnostic test for COVID-19. Videos alleging that if you avoid Asian food, you won't get the coronavirus. I haven't heard that one. Videos alleging that setting off fireworks can clean the air of the virus. I haven't heard that. Claims that COVID-19 is caused by radiation from 5G networks. Videos alleging that COVID-19 tests is the cause of the virus. Claims that countries with hot climates will not experience the spread of the virus. Videos alleging that social distancing and self-isolation are not effective in reducing the spread of the virus. 
claims that the COVID-19 vaccine will kill people who receive it. So what happens if content violates this policy? If your content violates this policy, we'll remove the content and send you an email to let you know. If this is your first time, like us today, violating our community guidelines, you'll get a warning with no penalty to your channel. If it is not, we'll issue a strike against your channel. If you get three strikes, your channel will be terminated. So there you go, Bride. Now we know. Okay, look at this. Cove, this is according to uh, this news organization. COVID-19 lockdowns are in lockstep with the Great Reset. Now, lockstep, you know what that means. That is a Rockefeller term. Whenever you hear people say lockstep, it's a document. It's actually a lockstep document. Okay, this is dated October 14th of 2020. Okay, who benefits from lockdowns that are destabilizing all facets of our society? Look no further than the emerging global oligarchy. In October of 2019, a pandemic simulation exercise called Event 201, a collaborative effort between John Hopkins Center for Health Security, the World Economic Forum, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, concluded that a hypothetical new coronavirus may end up killing at least 65 million people worldwide within 18 months of an outbreak. When COVID-19 coincidentally emerged from Wuhan two months later, scientists were rushing to generate similar alarmist forecasts using a variety of questionable scientific models. Researchers from the Imperial College of London, for instance, approximated death tolls of 500,000 in the UK and 2 million in the US by October this year. While scientific models are admittedly fallible, one would nonetheless be hard-pressed to justify the endless string of contradictions, etc., etc. You can read this. I will post the link. Okay, here's the next one. Now, this is according to Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook. Look, dated March 30th of 2019, Brad. Okay, four ideas to regulate the internet. Now, we are seeing this happen right now. They are regulating the internet using misinformation. Okay, this was posted by the Washington Post. But they have this on about.fbforfacebook.com. Technology is a major part of our lives, and companies such as Facebook have immense responsibilities. Every day we make decisions about what speech is harmful, what constitutes political advertising, and how to prevent sophisticated cyber attacks. These are important for keeping our community safe. But if we're starting from scratch, we wouldn't ask companies to make those judgments alone. Okay, so moving on down, he says, From what I've learned, I believe we need new regulation in four areas. Harmful content, election integrity, private and data portability. So harmful content. First, harmful content. Facebook gives everyone a way to use their voice and that creates real benefits from sharing experiences to growing movements. As part of this, we have a responsibility to keep people safe on our services. 
That means deciding what counts as terrorist propaganda, hate speech, and more. We continually review our policies with experts, but at our scale, we'll always make mistakes and decisions that people disagree with. Okay, so here we go. Let's scroll through this. One idea is for third-party bodies to set standards governing the distribution of harmful content and measure companies against those standards. Regulation could set baselines for what's pro prohibited and require companies to build systems to keep for keeping harmful content to a bare minimum. Facebook already publishes transparency reports on how effectively we're removing harmful content. I believe every major internet service should do this quarterly because it's just as important as financial reporting. So election integrity, okay, all right. Online political advertising laws, okay. Privacy, data protection, okay. Notice his word here. Privacy and data protection needs a globally harmonized framework. Can I say one world order? People around the world have called for comprehensive privacy regulation in line with the European Union's general data protection regulation, and I agree. I believe it would be good for the Internet if more countries adopted regulations such as GDPR as a common framework. I also believe a common global framework rather than regulation that varies significantly by country and state will ensure that the internet does not get fractured. Entrepreneurs can build products that serve everyone and everyone gets the same protections. Oh my goodness. This is the beast on a stick. And this was in 2019. What are you saying, Bride? Okay, let me give you a little lesson about the internet. You ready? Okay, the internet is separated the same as countries are. You have, let's say, Facebook.com. Then you have Australia. So you'll have Facebook.com.au or .eu for Europe or .ca for Canada. Every country has their own internet. Why? Because each of them are separated from each other because they have different ideologies. So when I was in London, in Europe, they did not let them see the type of entertainment and news and everything that we have because they want their people to believe that the monarch system is legit. That there really is a king and a queen and everything rules by that and you know, they don't want to see, this was my observation while I was there, but they raised their children on this whole system of the king and queen and everything. Uh, they don't, I talked about this when I was in grad school, how different it was, even the way they advertised their culture. Everything was so distant, different because they are different. See? Remember the triangle that I showed you, Brad, of the beast system, okay? The beast system is, in our current world that we have right now, we have everything vertical. Everything has its own identity. We can have our own religion. We can have our own 
church our different kinds of church uh we pray to god we have a relationship with god thus they have to honor me and god so i can have religion uh rules you know that separates me from getting a vaccine because i have religious beliefs i'm separate because of that my economy is separate because i live in the united states of america i have the dollar okay so i go by the dollar's rules then i have a president so i go by the constitution here in my country and then uh so the government here is different than canada the government's different than europe the government's different than russia my money is different my religion is different and the internet is different so what mr zuckerberg is saying here that needs to stop all this vertical stuff needs to stop we're all a big global community a big horizontal community so we just need to drop all of what they're doing this is why they're getting rid of the extremist bride so that's what he's saying right here when he says i also believe a common that's a word that is ecumenical global framework which means this new world order frame the frame of the new world rather than regulation that varies significantly by country and state will ensure that the internet does not get fractured entrepreneurs can build products that serve everyone and everyone gets the same protections so that is what they're saying right there listen to this as lawmakers adopt new privacy regulations i hope they can help answer some of the questions gdpr leaves open we need clear rules on information can be used on when information can be used to serve the public interest and how it should apply to what new technology such as artificial intelligence finally regulation should guarantee the principle of data portability if you share data with one service you should be able to move it to another this gives people choice and enables developers to innovate and compete this is important for the internet and for creating services people want it's why we build our built our development platform true data portability should look more like the way people use our platform to sign into an app than the existing ways you can download an archive of your information but this requires clear rules about who is responsible for protecting information when it moves between services so you need what common standards remember bright i told you that some of the words that we look for in the one world order is normalization when they say the word normalization that's what they mean they mean we're making this new normal we're normalizing it okay so this also needs common standards which is why we support a standard data transfer format and the open source data transfer project okay so let's see the rules governing the internet allowed a generation of entrepreneurs to build services 
that changed the world and created a lot of value in people's lives. It's time to update these rules to define clear responsibilities for people, companies, and governments going forward. That's another word, Bride, to look that is talking that's a UN term, it's forward, meaning they're going forward. Alright, here's another article on that same website. Business venture link to Mark Zuckerberg uses blood samples from pregnant women. You can read that Danish media reports. This is dated today. Blood samples from Danish women participating in a public research project ended up in the hands of an organization founded by Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg raising numerous red flags, local media reports. When 263 mothers-to-be provided weekly blood samples to Denmark's State Serum Institute, to help researchers learn more about the body during pregnancy, they were not told that their blood was also being used for a private business venture connected to Zuckerberg, according to Danish Radio. Blood samples from the research project, which began in 2014, were sent to Stanford University, a private research institution in California. Now, isn't that the same university that Mark Zuckerberg was from? I don't know, maybe so, where they were used to develop a blood test to detect premature birth. The then director of SSI, Mads Melba, together with his American research colleagues, started a private company and in 2018 entered into a business agreement with Chan, which is, I'm assuming, his wife, Zuckerberg Biohub, founded and named after Zuckerberg and his wife. That's what I thought. Biohub, huh? Let's see what this is. I've never heard of this. What is this? Chan Zuckerberg Biohub, the new frontier. At the Biohub, we actively nurture and create opportunities for leaders in science and technology to come together and drive discovery, setting the standard for collaborative science. Together, we are conducting research that helps solve big health problems. By sparking collaborative interdisciplinary work, we empower the pursuit of intuition and opportunity to explore the next question and answers. In 2016, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative was launched with a bold vision to cure, prevent, or manage disease in our children's lifetime. The Biohub was created to support that vision by understanding the fundamental mechanisms underlying disease and developing new technologies that lead to actionable diagnostics and effective therapies. Okay, so let's see what uh, is on their video. We're spending a lot of time thinking about how to create a culture in the biohub that kind of scales up the way we run our own personal research programs over the years. And uh, you know, time will tell if we're successful or not, but it's a key component of success is, is, is that scientific culture. And it's going to be important to get it right. One of the aspects of the Chan Zuckerberg biohub culture that we hope to instill in the people that come
come to the hub and work with us is the same kind of culture that we've tried to put into our own labs, which is really a sort of do-it-yourself mentality. If the tool doesn't exist, you're going to build it. If the software doesn't exist, you're going to write it. If the technology doesn't exist, you're going to develop it. And that kind of culture in many areas has died away. Things have become kits or protocols that have existed for years with no modification. I think we can do better. I think we can push science faster by enabling people to do their own thing. Another important aspect about scientific culture is to instill a sense of fearlessness in people and that there's no boundaries. You work on any problem that interests you. And today, people tend to get very specialized and no boundaries, huh? afraid to go into other ones. And I mean, both of us through our careers have, have not been afraid to trample over those boundaries. And uh, it's, it's been and very productive and, and that's an important part of the culture we're going to create in the biohub. Hmm. Well, this is a new one. At Biohub, we bring together brilliant scientists and engineers who see opportunities in every challenge. These individuals are united by a common passion solving previously impossible problems. Look, the next step forward in medical research the best scientists and engineers, okay. Infectious disease initiative, huh? Technology initiative, investigator program. Let's see what this is. So you're not going to tell it, huh? <laughs> it is not showing up. So. Technology initiative. Let's see what this is. They're probably bugging my computer right now. Infectious disease initiative. We don't believe in impossible. That's that same commercial, probably. Diseases like SARS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, HIV and AIDS, and done, have proven to be worthy adversaries. COVID, the BioHub is ready to respond quickly and decisively. I wonder how much money they got. Our ID-Sec technology created with Chan Zuckerberg Initiative has been used to equip scientists both here and throughout the world with the ability to process and understand metagenomic data derived from sequencing positive test results. Through a partnership with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, is that shocking or what? DSEC was used to identify and confirm Cambodia's first case and provided scientists with critical data about what was happening on the ground in the early days of the pandemic. Hmm. So now we know why they're gathering blood from these pregnant women. Look at this, diagnostic test. We will use new advances in genome sequencing technology to develop a universal diagnostic test that could reveal any infectious disease with near certainty. The work will be based on a prototype developed in 2014 that successfully diagnosed a rare form of bacterial encephalitis in a 14-year-old boy using sequencing technology to distinguish, to quickly distinguish human DNA from disease DNA. 
new drugs, okay, vaccines, structural biology, machine learning, and computer-assisted protein design to establish a new approach for creating vaccine candidates and will adopt machine learning strategies to develop powerful computer programs that can sort through large volumes of scientific data. Uh-huh. Let's see what they mean by machine learning strategies. Let's check this out. HPE, AI, and deep learning. Machine learning solutions. Hmm. Online Analytics Bootcamp, okay. AI and Machine Learning Masterclasses from Purdue. The basic strategies for machine learning in general are supervised learning and unsupervised learning, reinforcement learning. In supervised learning, the training set consists of data that has been labeled and annotated by a human observer. Oh, it's a machine. Okay, artificial intelligence. Machine learning refers to a class of computer algorithms that learn from examples rather than being explicitly programmed. So it's AI. It's AI with a brain. Algorithms that learn from examples rather than being explicitly programmed to perform a task. Okay, in computers, we program and tell the computer what to do. We put in algorithms. We say, okay, if you have this algorithm, then you do this. And if you have this A plus E equals C over here, then you do this. We, have, we tell it what to do. What they're saying right here is AI begins to tell us machine learning. Wow. It learns to formulate a general rule from a set of concrete examples. Thus, like human learning, the computer becomes capable of improving its performance from acquired knowledge. The difference is that at the current state of our knowledge, the computer needs many more learning examples than people do. Machine learning, so now we know too about gathering all that data from pregnant women. They are learning gene the genes within the babies and what they're doing. The difference is that at the current state of our knowledge, the computer needs many more learning examples than people do. Machine learning is the basis of artificial intelligence. It can be subdivided into shallow and deep learning, depending on the structure and complexity of the algorithm. Several examples are given, both because of their own importance and because they help to introduce some of the concepts and principles involved in deep learning. It is important to recognize that both forms of machine learning are in common use. Uh-oh. As there are situations in which one or the other is optimal for a given task. For deep learning, additional concepts such as multi-layer connectivity, back propagation, 
and convolution are described in detail as these are the factors that must be taken into account when deploying these models. Wow. So it's artificial intelligence. That's exactly what it is. All right, let's move on here. Someone sent this to me from President Barack Obama's White House. Now, this is very interesting to learn, Brad. Did you know that the White House changes through every administration, right? So all of the policies and everything that Obama did is now in the official archives. So look at the domain name up here at the top. Now, I do websites, graphic design all the time, so I can tell you what this means. You ready? Okay. Archives.gov is the actual domain name. Okay, so y'all know I teach you all the time. Okay, archives.gov is the actual domain name. Now, this is the other name, Obama White House. This is basically a subdomain name, which means they added it on to the main domain name, and this is how they archive all of the presidents. So, this previous part right here is the beginning of all domain names. So you have HTTP, which means Hypertext Transfer Protocol. Okay, which means, remember I told you that data is on the information highway. It is, uh, data is transportation because it's information on the airways, information in the highway, okay? So it's hypertext transfer, okay, protocol. Now, when it has an, that is for regular domain names, all have that. But you pay extra for security. So when you see it with an S, that means they have paid extra money to have a secure transfer of data. Okay, so then you have the, the colon and the two uh, lines here. I can't think of what they're called right now. The Oh, forward slash, forward slash. Okay, so right here is the actual specific White House, which is Obama, and the official archives of the government. Now, so it says, Executive Order Advancing the Global Health Security Agenda to achieve a world safe and secure from infectious disease threats. I read just some of this, Brad. I would be here all night reading this thing. It is massive. And it is the, the preparation for COVID-19 is what it looks like. This is dated November 4th of 2016. So right before he left. So let's look at what he did. And this kind of reminds me, Brad, because he set the way for the next president. He did this executive order before he left office and laid the groundwork for the next president. What do we see President Trump doing? All this year, boy, he has been slamming in the executive orders. And while everybody's been distracted, with all these other things going on, he has been paving the way for the next president. Now, when you go down through here and read this, look at this. Advancing the global health security agenda 
to achieve a world safe and secure from infectious disease threats. By the authority vested in me as president by the Constitution and the laws of the United States, it's hereby ordered as follows. And he goes through this long thing. I just want to show you just a couple of things. Now, he says right here, okay, whether naturally occurring, deliberate, or accidental. Talking about the infectious threats. The roles, responsibilities, and activities described in this order will support the goals of the international health regulations and will be conducted as appropriate in coordination with who? The World Health Organization. Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations. World Organization for Animal Health. Global Partnership Against the Spread of Weapons and Materials of Mass Destruction. The International Criminal Police Organization. Interpol. And other relevant organizations and stakeholders to advance the achievement of the GHSA targets and to support the implementation of IHR with partner countries. Is this shocking you, Bride, or what? Okay, let me copy this. Actually, let's just go on over there and see what this is. GHSA action packages prevent one, antimicrobial resistance, zoonotic disease, biosafety and biosecurity, immunization, national real-time surveillance, reporting and workforce development. What is this? The com Compass for SBC.org. GHSA Action Packages. Okay. Global Health Security Agenda. Action Packages. Oh, this is in the CDC. So here it is, ghsagenda.org. Action packages, global health security agenda. So let's check this out. What is an action package? Its working groups are led by technical experts from GHSA member countries and partners who work collaboratively to develop and implement initiatives to implement the international health regulations of 2005. All right. Okay. Global health security agenda about them. Okay. The governing. It is governed by a steering group comprised of approximately 15 countries, international organizations, and or non-governmental stakeholders. The primary role of the steering group is to provide strategic guidance and direction, including identifying overall GHSA priorities, tracking of progress and commitments, and facilitation of target-driven multi-sectoral coordination and communication among GHSA members. Okay, the chair rotates annually. Okay, so the chair of 2019 was the Netherlands. The permanent advisors, which include the WHO, all the, okay, the UN. All right, task force, okay, the steering group, okay, accountability, all right. Well, now we know, right? 
and to support the implementation of the IHR in partner countries with Executive Department Agency and Office, etc., etc. Okay, then it says GHSA Interagency Review Council. Okay. Uh, there's their responsibilities. Okay. All right. The council shall not perform any activities or functions that interfere with the foreign affairs responsibility of the Secretary of State. All right. Now, participation. The council, so he basically set up a council to work with the UN for this agenda. So he got it prepared in 2016. With who, Brad? All the characters you see on the stage right now. The Department of State, Defense, Justice, Agriculture, Health, Human Services, Homeland Security, Office of Management and Budget. Well, that's the one that is uh, Jerry Kushner. The United States Agency for International Development, etc., etc. Okay. So, and then let's scroll through here. Designate a senior level official to be responsible for implementation of this order. I'm just scrolling. So let's see here. Coordinated other agencies that are identified in this order to satisfy problematic goals, programmatic goals, and further facilitate coordination of country teams, implementers, and donors in host countries. The Secretary of State, all right. Look at this. Lead diplomatic outreach, including all senior levels in conjunction with other relevant agencies to build international support for the GHSA with its members, other countries, and regional multilateral bodies, including the Group of Seven, G7, President Trump for 2020, the Group of 20, G20, the African Union, the WHO, the OIA, now, isn't that something that he put all of this together for COVID-19? Just preparing the way. Look at this. No wonder somebody sent this to me. The Secretary of Agriculture. It just laid out what everybody's doing to prepare for this emergency. Wow, isn't this something? Okay, so this order shall be consistent with applicable law to the available of appropriations. This order is not intended to create any benefit, etc., etc. Barack Obama. November 4th, isn't that something? All right, let's go to the next thing. Okay, we covered that. Now look at this. At the White House, Capitol and Supreme Court, Trump goes on a spree of sabotage, according to the Washington Post. Okay, uh, of course we know they're liberal, but still. Things were not going well at Monday's Supreme Court argument for the Trump administration's last-minute bid to boot undocumented immigrants from the census for the first time in history. Now, this is dated November 30th, so this was yesterday. So, Justice Samuel Alito, a partisan who has seldom met a Trump power grab he doesn't like, decided to do something about it. He launched a filibuster. So, he says, I have two questions that are important to me. I hope I'm going to be able to squeeze them both in my time, he began. So, etc., etc. All right. Let's see. Let's scroll down here. 
He had reason for his frustration because it appeared Monday that even his colleagues in the court's right-wing supermajority weren't inclined to go along with Trump's plan to shift congressional seats to Republicans by excluding undocumented immigrants, even though the Constitution calls for an actual enumeration and a tally of the whole number of persons, not citizens, in each state for a portion of services. What? You mean to tell me that Trump put in a deal uh, for un who is in Congress that's an undocumented immigrant? Is that what he's saying? Surely they would never get that far without being documented. Trump's Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin, is shutting down emergency Federal Reserve lending programs that the Fed says serve their important role as a backstop for our still-strained and vulnerable economy. In the Senate, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, after busting up a COVID relief deal between the White House and Democrats, is now entering his seventh month of blocking pandemic relief, exposing millions to potential hunger and eviction. The absence of COVID relief could in turn lead to government shutdown in December. Another potential shock to the economy as Trump threatens to shoot down the annual defense bill for the first time in 60 years so that military bases will continue to honor Confederate generals. What a joke. Oh, you can tell it's a liberal paper reporting this, but let's go to the next one. Okay. Excuse me. Trump lays the groundwork for a massive governmental purge on his way out the door. Now, this is an opinion only, uh, not an actual article in the Washington Post, but when I read it, I thought, you know what, they need to know about, you know, just consider what she's saying, because she does have some legit points in here, so let's point, let's read this. Again, and this is done by Catherine Rample, okay, she's a columnist, dated yesterday, November 30th, 2020. Again and again, outgoing Trump officials have demonstrated their intention to salt the earth. They have tried to jam through Senate confirmations of partisan cranks while planting regulatory time bombs scheduled to detonate after President Trump leaves office. They've clawed back funding for emergency lending programs and then placed that money out of reach for the next Treasury Secretary. After years of swelling federal deficits, they've suddenly remembered their aversion to debt, and they've sown mistrust in the integrity of the United States elections. The latest sign of sabotage, now of course this is all her opinion, but, though has flown largely under the radar. Trump has been quietly, listen to this, dismantling the entire federal civil service and possibly laying the groundwork for a massive government-wide purge on his way out the door. Trump signed a technical-sounding executive order in October, so let's check this out. 
Creating Schedule F in the Accepted Service. I haven't seen this one. Okay, so let's see what she's got to say about it. So she's right about it. That invented a new category of government employees called Schedule F. Career civil servants whose jobs include policy making. The order said should be newly reclassified under Schedule F a designation that would strip them of long-held civil service protections and allow them to be fired with little demonstrated cause or recourse, including presumably for showing insufficient loyalty to Trump. The current system is by no means perfect, but it needs reasonable management reforms, not more political interference. This order effectively transforms large chunks of the merit-based, expertise-driven, nonpartisan civil service into political appointees who work at the mercy of the president. Already, the U.S. government has more political appointees, 4,000, than does any other democracy, a feature that predisposes, oh my goodness, I just figured out what this is, Brad. Oh my goodness. Let me read this again. Already the U.S. government has more political appointees, 4,000, than does any other democracy, which I disagree about the democracy. A feature that predisposes our government to churn, fickle management, and cronyism. cronyism. Trump's restructuring would make things even worse, reinstating the sort of patronage-driven spoil system that Congress abolished in the 1880s. All right, let me tell you what he really did. Let me talk to you a minute, Brad. This has been one of my biggest gripes. On this wall right here is the White House. I, let me see if I can turn the camera. I hope I don't lose the recording, but let me show you. Okay, see it right there? That is the White House. I have that up there, the White House, because the White House, when I had that drawn on the wall, when I had an artist place that on the wall, people got, some people, just a few, got mad at me. And they was like, why do you have the White House on your wall when it's so corrupt over there? I tell them, it's not the Republicans' White House. It's not the Democrats' White House. It is the people's house. It is the people's house, Brad. There are people that have been working in there 20, 30, and 40 years. These are people, I'm so thankful now that God sent me up there to tell y'all this. Because I got to meet these people. They are not in there to serve a president. They're not in there for agendas. They are in there to serve the people. I'm talking about the legitimate way that our country is supposed to be ran. The checks and balances that all these presidents, Obama and Trump, are throwing right out the window because they're what? They're all together. Now, 
what President Trump did on that executive order is he paved the way to get rid of that old rule of it being the people's house so that now they can have a whole staff of people that think like them. And you think, well, it's okay, because, you know, when, when Trump's in there, you really need all conservatives in there with him. Okay, well, you take the same respect for the Democrats. Now he's painting the picture of you are about to have Biden come in. He will be able to wipe out everybody and put in all progressives. Well, that's what he's done so far. When I thought it was very odd when he said he is going to revamp the entire communications office. See, those communications people was not there to serve the president. The ones that are there now legally are not there to support just the president. They are supposed to represent the people as a whole. They are the communications to the nation. For the whole White House, everything that the White House is doing. So the president changed that. Very, very sad. Okay, so let's go to the next thing. All right, we saw we don't have time to go into all this. Okay, the next thing. I wanted you to see this, Brad. Now, these are pictures that are on the Washington Post website. Okay, but I want you to see how powerful they are and how crazy 2020 has been. You ready? American Crossroads. What will future generations see when they look at images of 2020? Nine photographers capture a pandemic, an uprising, and a country divided. All right, here we go. Look at these. We will just scroll through here real quick. Okay, here's one. Pretty powerful picture, huh? A protester in a march speaking out against the death of George Floyd in June in New York. Demonstrators marched from Bryant Park to Trump Tower. Hey, I think I was there when they did that. I was shocked. Okay, let's go to the next thing. Look at this one. A black man and a white man fighting over the American flag. That is a powerful picture. A confrontation between supporters and counter-protesters at a Blue Lives Matter rally and march in Brooklyn in July. Mouths covered, eyes wide open. From Paris to New York, the normal seas of life despite a global pandemic. Look at this. That is a powerful picture. With the American flag right in the middle. Look at this one. So sad, looks so isolated and alone. Mary at 133rd Street and Lenox Avenue in New York in March. Healthcare workers at Lenox Hill Hospital come out to hear residents at the Upper East Side express their gratitude. Okay, so that's them. All right. Look at this hand here. Simi, a traveling nurse from Los Angeles outside Lenox Hill Hospital, New York in May, 
She was working with COVID patients at the hospital. Over here, we've got two white men without a mask and this man with a mask. A black man with a mask and another man back here with a mask. Okay, let's see what they say. People stand on social distance markers on New York's Upper West Side in April. So, it's about social distancing. I've seen those in many of our stores. A bus driver at 81st Street and Columbus Avenue in New York in April. Look, there's the bus driver with the mask on. Sisters Maya and Michaela, 8 and 9 roller skating Coney Island in May. But butchers Ahmad Delili and said on Boulevard de la Chapelle in Paris in June. All with masks on. A family on the Upper West Side applauds the healthcare workers of New York in April. Below, Priscilla sits outside during the lockdown to get some sun on 80th Street and Broadway in New York in March. That was before all that happened, yeah. Marie Rouge in Paris in May. Below, this is a photographer at a cafe in Paris in June. With this cigar there. Couples tango along the bank of the Celine in Paris in May. Tour, a delivery person at the Art de Triomphe in Paris in June. Look at the kids in masks. That is so sad. Always oh. Oh, got his karaoke machine. Diddle from Moldova sings in the subway with his family in Paris in July. A couple at the Lavour in Paris. The couple kissing through masks. Look at that. In Los Angeles, Barbara Davidson's portraits serve as a time capsule of the pandemic and capture how masks have become part of our identity. Now, look at this. These are different people in masks. Look. Look at this one. Well, they grabbed all kinds, didn't they? Look at this. Rage and Requins. Amidst the injustice and cries for change, D. Dwyer still found people coming together. Black policemen get out. 
A resident near where Kay was shot and killed tells police officers how she feels unsafe and is afraid for her five-month-old future. Five-month-old son's future. A man asked a police officer, why did you all kill Dion during a protest after Kay's death? Kay's aunt shares a photo of her nephew on her phone. Look at this see-through casket, y'all. I've never seen one like this. Loved ones of Dion Kay carry his casket to a hearse after his funeral in September. Kay's pallbearers signal D3 with their hands after placing his casket in the hearse. Kay was his mother's third child with the name that began with the letter D. You mean looks like the 666 symbol? Look at that. D3. Wow. Look at this, bride. This is a new monument. In Richmond, which is Virginia, a statue of General Robert E. Lee has been turned into a shrine for the times. And look what it looks like, bride. This replaced General Lee. Black Lives Matter and this picture. And then it's got hate and all kinds of stuff. Look at that. The sound of George Floyd, the last pleas from a killing that changed the world. Look at this. I can't breathe. That's what that said. My knee, my neck, I'm through, I'm through, this is what Floyd said. The living and the dead. In Maryland, scenes of lost protests, celebrations, democracy, resiliency, and endurance. All right. Look at this one. Megan, I mean, Morgan Dean McMillan removes the COVID-19 positive body from a morgue in Maryland in June. Dean works for a Maryland cremation services which handled a surge in COVID positive cases throughout the spring. These are people getting food. They said this horse... Nikki Moxley readies the horse to deliver food to seniors in Baltimore in May. People gather to celebrate Juneteenth and march against police violence in Baltimore on June the 19th. Remember, Bride, that's when the president wanted his people to gather for a, a rally there. I was so upset. I did a whole show on it. It's like, why would you put the ones that everybody's calling white supremacists right there in the middle, in the thick of that? And that I just couldn't believe it. Black Lives Matter. Okay, showing me a picture of that. Volunteers wait for voters at a polling station in Baltimore during a special election in Maryland's 7th Congressional District, showing you with all their face masks. 
voting with mask on, graduate with nobody there, social distancing, Oh, look at that. A virtual wedding. That is so sad. Look. One person. A parishioner at Friendship Baptist Church in Baltimore on Easter Sunday. The church was open for holiday services, defying Maryland government. Larry Hogan's order for churches to remain closed. Man. A mass sits atop an agenda at Friendship Baptist Church. Where do we go from here, she says. A service worker and protest organizer Brooklyn for now defunding, dismantling, and abolishing the police and fighting racism, not only in the streets and the police force, but in our homes, our jobs, and everywhere. Wow. Utter rebellion, bride. You notice right here? Everybody but white. Remember, bride, I told you about that time that I was in Washington, D.C., and uh, there was the Chamber, I believe it was the Chamber of Commerce office, and they had an exhibit like that with all the different colors and left off a white person. And they said something about, I think it was 2019 when I was there. And I walked over there and I walked right in that building and I said, what are you trying to tell society? I want to interview someone. And they're like, what do you mean? And I said, you have this picture out there that you're leaving out a white person and then you're making this point about the colors. I said, you are being racist against white people. And so I wanted to interview somebody. Man, I made them so mad. And so naturally they wouldn't give me an interview, but they walked out and was looking at it. And the next time I came to D.C., it was down. But the point was that it's like this. It's an attack. See, a lot of people think that it's skin, but it's not. I'm telling you, Bride, it is Christianity. This is the attack on Christianity. Okay, Scott, at last, this is Washington Post as well, will forever be the face of surrender to the coronavirus. He just resigned. And this is the coronavirus spokesperson. So, I just wanted to show you that. This, someone asked me to do this. I don't really want to show this right now, but I will put the link out there. He has some very interesting information. Okay, now let's go to this. Uh, this is from statnews.com. Divisions emerge among U.S. officials over when first COVID-19 vaccine doses will be available and for who. This is dated November 30th, 2020. Divisions are emerging among top U.S. officials over when the country's first COVID-19 vaccine will be authorized. 
and who should be at the front of the line to get it. So they're trying to make it look like they don't know who, but Bride, remember, I already told you, I know who. All right, let's continue. Look at this. This is called the NateMaxProject.com. A list of companies using fetal cells from aborted babies to flavor products. In 2010, the pro-life organization wrote to the CEO of Cinomix, you can see the word right here, Kent Snyder, indicating that many ethical and moral choices that can and should be used to test their food additives. However, Cinomax and the companies listed on its website as partners decided to ignore the letter. The giants of the food industry as PepsiCo, Kraft Foods, Campbell's Soup, Soleil, and Nestle are the main targets of the boycott, although Cinemax account and other international partners on their website. They say the key programs of Flavor Company, focusing on the discovery and development of savory ingredients, ingredients, candy, and other additives intended to reduce the MSG, sugar and salt in food and beverage products, proclaiming that this using isolated human taste receptors, we created proprietary test systems based on taste receptors that provide a biochemical or electronic readout when a flavor ingredient interacts with the receptor. I will put the link for you to read this as well. Okay. MRC5, I discovered, is in one of the vaccines. Uh, I actually did this on another show, so I will post this as well. Because uh, they're saying, I believe, I can't remember which one they said it's in, though. Uh, you, you can look that up. But the point is, I want you to know what is MRC-5. Now, this is another one I probably will not be able to play on here, but Boris Johnson goes off, and he exposes all, confirming the microchips, nanobots, and New World Order. So, let me play just a little bit of it. Here we go. A whole movement called the anti-vaxxers, who refuse to acknowledge the evidence that vaccinations have eradicated smallpox, and who, by their prejudices, are actually endangering the very children they want to protect. And I totally reject this anti-scientific pessimism. I'm profoundly optimistic about the ability of new technology to serve as a liberator and to remake the world. Remake the world. Remake the world. Ah, wondrously remake and the world. Remake benignly. The Indeed, in countless respects, technology is already doing just that. Nanotechnology, I mentioned earlier. Revolutionizing medicine by designing robot robots a fraction of the size of a red blood cell capable of swimming through our bodies, dispensing medicine, and attacking malignant cells like some Star Wars armada. Neural interface that, technology. Neural interface technology is producing a new generation of cochlear implants, I think, of new tools. Yes, neuro interface technology, you can research that, Bride. But basically, he spills the beans about nanotechnology. Okay, look at this next one, cbsnews.com. 
Pence tells governors coronavirus vaccine distribution could begin in two weeks. This is dated today, December 1st. CDC advisors vote on who should get the vaccine. Let's see this. You want to make every game interesting? Step one, open the BetMGM Sportsbook. Step two, put some skin in the game. And step... Hold on, Brian. We got to get through this commercial, and then we can get over to the show. I'm sure that's a long commercial, thirty seconds. Joining us, we're going to begin with breaking news on the biggest and most complex vaccination program in American history. Tonight, a CDC advisory panel has just approved a plan to give the first doses of coronavirus vaccine to healthcare workers and people living in nursing homes. That means that if the FDA approves the vaccines it's reviewing, as many as 20 million Americans could begin getting shots just two weeks from now on December 15th. Still, experts warn that won't be soon enough to stop tens of thousands of Americans from dying from the virus, which is now spreading out of control. Tonight, New York City is advising older people and those with underlying conditions not to leave their homes as the rate of infections there continues to climb. And with hospitalizations hitting another record high today, the nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, is suggesting some areas may need to consider new lockdowns. And then there's also that breaking news tonight out of the Justice Department, where the attorney general, one of the president's most loyal defenders, now says he's found no evidence of fraud that would change that who won the election. That's another blow to the president's attempts to overturn the results. We've got a lot of new reporting for you and your family tonight. We've got our- Now, Brad, remember what I told you about December 3rd. He's only got till December 3rd to refute it. So we'll probably see a lot in just the next couple of days. Okay. Dr. Anthony Fauci responds to Steve Bannon calling for his beheading. This is in the Huffington Post on Yahoo News. On Yahoo.com. This is written by Josephine Harvey, reporter at Huffington Post, November 11th of 2020. Dr. Fauci on Wednesday acknowledged former White House strategist Steve Bannon's horrifying remarks about beheading him, calling the situation really kind of unusual. Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert and a member of President Trump's coronavirus task force, was discussing the stresses of his job during an interview on Australian television. Okay, so let's see uh, where he said those remarks. Huffington Post, okay, when is this dated? November 6th. Steve Bannon, I would put Anthony Fauci's head on a pike as a warning. That's how you win the revolution. Said Trump's former strategist, wow. Former White House strategist Steve Bannon on Thursday discussed the imagined beheadings of infectious disease expert Dr. Fauci and FBI Director Christopher Wray, saying he would like to put their heads on pike. Wow. He described his outrageous scenario on his podcast, War Room Pandemic, by first characterizing Trump as a kind-hearted man who presumably would be opposed to such an action. Oh, my goodness. All right, well, let's continue. What's the next thing?
No Christmas tree at the state capitol this year, according to the Lincoln Journal Star on November 26th of 2020. You mean a lot of these people that don't believe in Christmas would be happy about this? Well, let's see what a world would look like without Christmas. Look at this. So, let's scroll on down. Oh, I forgot that was sent to me in an email. Let me move it, move it. Sorry, sorry. Okay, now let me go to my... Someone sent me the actual article where I could read it. Here it is. Okay. The actual article says this. Let me get my glasses on. Sorry, Brad. It says, The holidays at the state capitol will be a little less bright this year. In light of the pandemic, there will be no Christmas tree installed and decorated in the capitol rotunda, according to the Office of the Capitol Commission. The annual lighting ceremony and tuba carols concert has already been canceled. So that's very sad to say. Okay, so let's move on to the next one. Demand for real Christmas trees are up during the pandemic. Uh, this is dated November 27th, according to the Journal Star. Okay, let's listen to this story. Fresh cut Christmas trees are in great demand. We've never seen the demand like we have this year. We are the largest provider of fresh-cut Christmas trees in the world. Between our operation here at McKenzie Farms and our sister operation in North Carolina, Happy Holiday, we ship between 1.8 and 2 million trees a year. The weekend after Thanksgiving, about 25 to 30 percent of the total sales uh, are during that weekend. And this year, we're going to look at 15 to 20 percent before Thanksgiving, 35 to 45 percent after Thanksgiving. Wow. There was a couple of families I talked to yesterday that they were like, we're usually out of the country, so like we don't even know what type of tree we want or how tall or how to do this. And so I think there's a lot of families that are obviously staying home this year um, and so it's almost a, a new experience or a renewed experience for a lot of families. All my friends on Instagram already have their trees and I wanted mine too. <laughs> it's nice to have home be a, a separate safe space from the hospital and whether we can have a gathering with family or not, I know we'll have our own little tree with the purple lights and uh, there'll be something that small to look forward like to. could not breathe, very sad, very sad. Okay, so anyway, uh, they obviously have an increase this year of the Christmas trees. Okay, let's move forward. This is on TheVerge.com. Pope Francis urges followers to pray that AI and robots always serve mankind. The Pope is worried about AI-driven equality. This is written by James Vincent, dated November 11th. 
Pope Francis has asked believers around the world to pray that robots and artificial intelligence always serve mankind. The message is one of the Pope's monthly prayer intentions. Regular missives shared on YouTube that are intended to help Catholics deepen their daily prayer by focusing on particular topics or events. In August, the Pope urged prayer for the maritime world. In April, the topic was freedom for addiction. Excuse me, now in November, it's AI and robots. Although the message sounds similar to warnings issued by tech notables like Elon Musk, the Tesla CEO famously compared work on artificial intelligence to summoning the demon. The Pope's focus is more prosaic. He doesn't seem to be worrying about that sort of exotic doomsday scenario where a super-intelligent AI turns the world into paperclips, but more about how the tech could exacerbate existing inequalities here and now. Let's see what he said. La inteligencia artificial está en la raíz del cambio de época que estamos viviendo. La robótica puede hacer posible un mundo mejor si va unida al bien común. Porque si el progreso tecnológico aumenta las desigualdades, no es un progreso real. Los futuros avances deben estar orientados al respeto de la dignidad de la persona y de la creación. Recemos para que el progreso de la robótica y de la inteligencia artificial esté siempre al servicio del ser humano. Podemos decir, sea humano. Worldwide Prayer Network. I wonder how many evangelicals are on that prayer network. Don't get me going down that rabbit hole. In his message, the Pope said AI was the heart of the epochable change, epochal change we are experiencing that robotics had the power to change the world for the best. Lord have mercy. Okay, what's our last one? This is according to interactionfieldstar.com. Pope Francis, Advent season is the season. Advent is the season for remembering the closeness of God. By Courtney Mayer's Catholic News Agency. Uh, okay, dated November 30th. Okay, on the first Sunday of Advent, Pope Francis recommended a traditional Advent prayer to invite God to draw close during the new this new liturgical year. Advent is the season for remembering the closeness of God who came down to dwell in our midst. Pope Francis said in St. Peter's Basilica, November 29th. Oh, Lord. There was something in here. <coughs> Excuse me, Brad. There was something in here I wanted to show you. Let's see. The light of the day will come when we shall all be with the Lord. Let us not lose heart. The light of the day will come. The shadow of night will be dispelled. And the Lord who died for us on the cross will arise to be our judge. 
Being watchful in expectation of his coming means not letting ourselves be overcome by discouragement. It's to live by hope. In his homily, he warned of the dangers of mediocrity, lukewarmness, and indifference in the Christian life. Okay, all right, let's see here. Prayer rouses us from the tepidity of a purely horizontal existence and makes us lift our gaze to higher things. It makes us attune to the Lord. Prayer always... Prayer allows God to be close to us and it frees us from our loneliness and gives us hope. Okay, uh, the resolve to run forth to meet Christ with righteous deeds that is coming. Jesus is coming in the road to meet him. Clearly marked, it passes through the works of charity. Following the Mass, Pope Francis prayed the Angelus from the window of Vatican's Apostolic Palace with pilgrims gathered in St. Peter's Square. Now listen, this is what it was. Look at this, Brad. Today, the first Sunday of Advent, the new liturgical year begins. In it, the church marks the passage of time with the celebration of the main events in the life of Jesus and the story of salvation. In so doing, as mother... She illuminates the path of our existence, supports us in our daily occupations, and guides us towards the final encounter with Christ. So the mother is God. Is that what we're hearing? Is that what you see, Bride? Let's reread it. In it, the church marks the passage of time with the celebration of the main events in the life of Jesus and the story of salvation. In so doing, as mother, she illuminates the path of our existence. Who do you think that is? I'm like, no wonder y'all believe this about uh, the queen of heaven. Oh. Mary, may Mary most holy, the woman of the expectation, accompany our steps at the beginning of this new liturgical year and to help us fulfill the task of Jesus' disciples indicated by the Apostle Peter. Oh my goodness. Well, all right, Bible, this is it for the news today and I pray that you learned a lot. And this is Dr. June out. Treehouse Publishers presents Author and White House Correspondent Dr. June Knight Has published 10 books As she traveled the country in obedience to God-serving ministries Her books are about the Bride of Christ Preparing the Church for the End of Days Persecution, Purity, and Spiritual Warfare she even wrote a book revealing the pain and struggles of her own life called Testimony of a Broken Bride Jesus is the True Husband. Her books hope to help families make right decisions in the coming days about the mark of the beast and to choose Jesus over the beast system. Dr. June released four books this year about current day situations such as judgment, technology, tribulation days and more. These four books released in April of 2020 after she left the White House and exposes what she knows about President Trump and the Antichrist agenda. These books reveal apostasy plus idolatry equals judgment and it's for the harvest. 
Dr. June reveals the great divide in the church in this hour due to the great deception. She explains what is the ecumenical movement, new apostolic reformation, and false religions, exposes the one world religion agenda, Dr. June exposes the new world order and satanic agenda, this book exposes the lie of the new apostolic reformation evangelicals who have surrounded the president and is partnering with the beast system. This book chronicles 40 days of repentance and casting down 40 idols in our nation and church. This book reveals the biblical pattern of judgment and the current judgment. What is the pattern of God's judgment? Why does he judge? What is my role in this? This book discusses now that we know apostasy plus idolatry equals judgment where do we go from here? How do we prepare? What do we look for? What about technology? The human implantation chip, etc. So purchase the American pot books today before they shut them down. Be alert. Be informed. Be equipped for the war ahead. Or go to www.gotreehouse.org and purchase all 10 of Dr. June's books today on sale. If you are interested in writing a book please go to treehousepublishers.com. Thank you.